1: What's up, everyone? Before we get to the show, I wanted to tell you guys a little more about Ball because I don't know if you guys know, but the can business is currently booming. Um, it is a solid career path with less volatility than many other types of vocations. Manufacturing specialists are in high demand as a long-term trend, and Ball is opening plants and expanding assembly lines across North America as we speak, and getting experience in manufacturing is a great foundation for a growing career. Uh, Balls offers a competitive 27.39% per hour, with potentials for increase at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It offers exposure to a lot of other manufacturing opportunities in their plant, and the production technician's role touches on the other stages of production, making aluminum cans and ends. So, it is a great company and a great industry to get into right now. If you are looking for a job, uh, and the people that we know that work at Ball truly enjoy their experience there. And I feel like that can't be said about every industry and that can't be said about every um, company. So the fact that they do and that Ball puts so much effort into that diversity, inclusivity, and making sure that you're getting paid and raises, it's a really, really great company. So if you're interested, uh, you can f- read the full description of the job at and apply at jobs.ball.com and search for the word golden, or you can a- actually text golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to all open positions. Highly recommend checking them out. We want to make sure that you guys are taken care of and Ball is just one of those great companies.
2: Nobody out. Three and two on Charlie. Jokic gets it across the
3: timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with
4: Landis guy. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dog two hands, Nikola Jokic. Save me by Krubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Two run home run, Trevor Story. Lock. Enzo. Touchdown. Two for Sutton. Got it all, oh, man. That's from way downtown.
5: Welcome in to the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Look guys, there's less than 10 days until Christmas. I know a bunch of you guys are going to be going to uh, holiday parties over the next couple weeks. So be the most popular person at the party. Take a case of Breckenridge Brewery. Bring a a sampler pack, an avalanche, uh, a strawberry sky, which is my favorite. Uh, bring anything you want, bring some of their seltzers, and you're gonna be the most popular person there. I am your host for today, and as your eyes and ears can very easily tell you, I'm not Ali Monroy. Uh Jesse Montano is uh whoa, Jesse Montano, and I am joined by uh an all-star lineup here. Got my good friend uh AJ Hafley from the DNBR Avalanche Beat, Patrick Lyons from our DNBR Rockies. Harrison Wynn, DNVR Nuggets, and pretty much DNVR everything. We got D-Line. Eric, how's that, how's everyone doing today?
2: Yeah, let's go. Ooh, thank you. See, that's the enthusiasm I was looking for, Eric. That's Thanks. why I'm part of all of DNVR, and the rest of these yeah, yeah, yeah. are relegated to specific beats. <laughs> just just uh, all-encompassing
5: DNVR. <laughs> um well, cool, guys. Uh, I'm excited to be hosting this for the first time, taking over for Allie here. And uh, I thought we'd kick it off with my my kind of whole thing on the DNVR Avalanche beat is uh, got some hot takes. Usually got some. Uh... We call them
3: bad opinions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey,
5: there's a few of those that have panned out pretty well and the rest of them we're not going to talk about. But so I thought I'd bring a little bit of that uh, to to my first uh, Denver sports podcast. And uh, I want to talk to you guys today about some of the most controversial stuff that's going on right now in sports in terms of rules, how the games are played. Uh, you know, one of the ones I got in here is, uh, you know, reviews, stuff like that. Just, just some of these that, that are not like social issues, but stuff that you are, you are on one side or the other. There's really not a ton of gray area for a lot of how, how people feel about this. Uh, I'm, I'm
3: excited. We're not all uh, agreeing to light our careers on fire and talk about kneeling yeah, for the yeah, anthem.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I thought about doing that, and you know, some of the pay issues and stuff. But I was like, ah, eh, we'll save that for another time.
3: No, so
2: fine. what? Just, just we're just talking about what vaccinations or
5: yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mandates. <laughs> yeah, that, baby, let's do this. Let's go.
5: National anthem uh, is what what today's show is going to be about. <laughs> let's go. And yet. Yeah, so we'll just uh, this will be the last show that I do ever. <laughs> um, but no, so so I'm going to start kind of with one that uh, a little bit smaller, and then we'll kind of get a little bit more uh, where I'm sure people will have some more differing opinions as we go. Um, so is everyone ready? Does anybody have any uh, any final thoughts before before we start this?
4: Nope. Let's perfect. I'm ready to go, man. Cool. I'm ready.
5: <laughs> um, re- all right. Yeah. So the, the the first one I want to talk about um primarily robot umpires and this kind of extends into the other sports in terms of um you know there's a lot of tracking going on now player tracking ball tracking ball and puck tracking uh things like that and i want to know where you guys stand on it so i did a little bit of research and and from this last mlb season 2021 uh when uh what's the name of the website uh umpire scorecard it started as a twitter page now it's a full-on website and basically it goes through and it tracks every MLB umpire and how accurately they call balls and strikes. Now, this has always been odd to me because this is something where the technology very clearly exists and we use it on television um, for audiences watching at home. So the highest rated um, umpire last year in the MLB called at 95% accuracy. 95% of the time he was getting balls and strikes correctly,
0: uh, and this is for umpires uh, that, that umped over 30 games behind the plate. I'm just curious. Do you, does anybody think that's a, like a high number? Or were you surprised to think that the human eye could be correct 95% of the time? Does that seem no. low? So no,
3: I think it's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that it's that high given the general incompetence of MLB umpires, but uh, I'm not surprised that there are some out there who actually, like if you watch an individual game, yep. like those guys are, pretty good like they're pretty good at what they do and I think that's the problem is that they sh- look like, pretty good just isn't enough
5: Now, now let me give a little bit more context to that number though so the highest is 95 the lowest is 92 the highest uh, the, the most accurate umpire still over the course of his games throughout the season got over 200 calls incorrect while the lowest rated umpire again this is when ump- uh, umping over 30 games behind the plate Missed just shy of 400 calls. So that's that's kind of your spectrum there. So even at 95%, this umpire missed over 200 calls. He uh, got them wrong based off what the computer can tell us in real time. Eric, you are very animated, so I want to hear what your thoughts are on this
2: first. <laughs> well, I... Every time that I watch a baseball game, I'm like, are we just watching to see how the umpire does? Like, we know the answer, and we're just seeing if he also gets the answer correct. Like, that's the most obnoxious part is that it's literally there, and we're just seeing how an old guy with cataracts is able to stack up to something that is uh, not only uh, inarguable, it is universally available. It is The fact that they put it on TV drives me so goddamn crazy, I can't even tell you. if it was just like a situation where you were also just watching with your eye and you're like eh, that looked outside but he's right there so that's probably right but you're like no he
0: got it wrong so he's <laughs> angry like but i did I, just, he? I just
2: found myself angry the whole time like
0: but did he but that's did he? the question is is it inarguable because that's just a two dimensional rectangle that's yeah, suggesting yeah, where the strike zone is suggesting no it is
2: not suggesting it is it is saying in that slice of 3d like it crossed through that that uh, rectangle at that exact place um are you saying that there should be a, a, a it i mean it only has to go through the cube at some point right look I mean, i'm not
0: trying to question subaru or their subaru strike <laughs> zone
2: makes me <laughs> crazy they,
0: they've not funded the proper technology at coors field and the other 29 ballparks around the nation but no it that is just again to give you a general idea because It's hard to know what's a strike and what isn't a strike if you're just looking at the catcher setting up. So the box is a helpful tool, but it is by no means the be-all, end-all. And It could be. It could be the end-all be-all.
5: Are are you saying that the strike zone isn't necessarily
0: defined, that it's constantly moving? No. uh, I mean, to a degree, yes. And this is one of the issues that why we don't see the – robotic Umps or the cyborg Umps, as as someone one of my guests recently on the dnvr rockies podcast said i'm all welcoming for cyborgs um but is they've got to figure out the technology to count to account for a five foot eight jose altuve and a six foot seven aaron judge and those are two different strike zones but when you watch a game on tv the uh, D-line box, as we'll, we'll brand it here <laughs> on the DNVR Sports Podcast, the D-line <laughs> box is identical for both those guys, the shortest guy and the tallest guy. And we know that that's not a true strike zone. It, it should so be basically are, what, what, are you saying to the top they, of the knees. Are you saying that
2: they're unable to figure out how to move the box? That's the technology they <laughs> need to work out?
3: It, not not <laughs> unable to figure it out. They just have it, man. They well, just, so they like just if they're going to use gonna make... the same box for every at bat. Right, so if they're going to make that
2: the, the official strike zone, couldn't they then just adjust it per player? Is that possible? Don't we, don't, we get,
0: don't we possess this technology as well? It, it exists, but it's not as far along as, as we would like. We, we want it right now, but it's, it's just not there, on, unfortunately. Also, too, we're talking about television technology for the viewer to see what a strike zone looks like. And then there's the actual three-dimensional strike zone because home plate isn't a square, right? It's, 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 a, it's, it's a, what, the it's a home plate. it's a, it, yeah. it's a plate home, yeah. home plate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, a home plate. Well, in three-dimensional form, what, what, what would that shape be? Is that a, is that that a, a three-dimensional home plate? Some kind of prism. Look, I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, like, I want to call it cylindrical. I'm looking for a fancy word like that. Uh, that's not really on the tip of my tongue. But, yeah, it's, it's a very complicated prog- process. And, again, the, this isn't something that moves in a straight line. We're talking about off-speed pitches, breaking balls. And so there's there's almost a fourth dimension to the fact that the strike zone is three dimensions, and then you've got this baseball coming in. At all kinds of weird angles, yeah, and it batters it with different heights. Passes it's complicated. It
3: passes through it. Does it go through it? Does it not go yeah. through it? it I it's mean, pretty it's much not...
2: what. And but the my issue is like if if uh, this is so like uh, if the technology is is not to be believed, can we take it off the goddamn broadcast then? So like wow. people don't just sit ba- sit back and, and are outraged the idea that this guy got it wrong every time. So and so that that's kind of another side of my
5: angle, because I I, I wanted to equate this to other sports. And in the NHL, there's a a term that is well known as the parallax angle, where depending on the replay, uh, I have
4: no idea what what that means for the record I don't want to say it's well known. I have (laughs) never heard that term in
0: my life. (laughs) That that was the word I was looking for with home plate. A three dimensional home plate is called a parallax angle. I think that was the word Yeah, there there you you go. go. Hey, you're welcome.
5: So amongst hockey circles, that's a pretty well-known term okay. because what it means is that the, when the when the lines are painted on the uh, ice, when they're, they're getting the ice ready, then there's another layer that is put on top. So if you're not looking at that from directly overhead, certain camera angles can make the line look like it's in a little bit of a different place because it actually sits below the surface of the ice. So in 2004 in the Stanley Cup final, there was a very controversial – Play that from some angles, it looked like the puck had gone in the net and would have won the Calgary Flames, the Stanley Cup. But from other angles, it looked like it didn't fully cross the line. So using the example of, of you know, the, the strike zone in baseball, is it possible that maybe just improving on technology that we already have in place, using chips inside pucks and putting uh, chips in the ice, if this chip goes fully across that chip, there is no doubt there's a signal. It's a goal. You don't even need instant replay. Uh, back all the way back in 1998, the New York Football Jets um, were awarded a touchdown when it was actually the helmet of a player that they were seeing in the replay, and not the ball. And obviously, that's 1998, so that's before a lot of this technology. But again, that was that was a big play in. the That was in the, the playoffs. inciting
3: incident that caused the NFL to institute replay.
5: Yeah, and and so it's it's one of those things where. Can we use some of this technology that's already existing to help make sure we get some of these calls right without even having to go to replay? Or do we just like it saying, hey, look, it—you it, know it's the human eye and it is what it is. And it's kind of ever changing depending on the situation.
4: Yeah, the technology, it might not be perfect, as Patrick was saying, but it seems to me it's clearly better than what we have right now. Like the technology, the the strike zone, whatever, it's clearly better than having umpires calling balls and strikes. And in sports, I just don't get why. And this goes across all sports when, you know, there's better ways to do things that stuff doesn't get implemented. I mean, like the classic example is, how could you not put a chip in a football to tell you when it crosses the first down marker and instead we just have referees just guessing? I mean like yep. that shit could definitely be done. <laughs> and, yeah, and and yeah, like we might not have the perfect technology for it, but it's definitely going to be a lot better than what we have right now. And I think that's the same exact reasoning for for uh, robot umpires.
0: We're we're operating though at around 93 94% efficiency. That's, that's pretty good. I'm not saying, is it, is it that good? 100% obviously (laughs) would be better, but we're not there yet. And as far as putting chips in baseballs, it's different when you're talking about hockey pucks. I mean, they use almost quite literally one basketball per game. I would imagine football, not very many hockey puck, not very many MLB goes through just under 1 million baseballs per year. So you know, that starts <laughs> to become a lot insane. less cost effective. If you're putting chips in baseballs, it would work. But again, what is the benefit? What is, does baseball make more money? Because people now watching the game at home know exactly where the strike zone is. And they, I enjoy baseball more now because that strike was a strike every time it's a strike. Baseball is poetry. It doesn't have to be perfect in that way. And we, we kind of just live in a world now where we do want everything to be perfect because if something does not go our way, we but love would it whining make,
4: about it. Would it make the sport better? Like that's what I always come back to, and that would just unequivocally make the sport better, in in my opinion. It, the it
2: could. thing about it could. but the thing about sports is that a lot of people uh, build their entire belief system around sports. They uh, <laughs> it makes people crazy when they think that there are there are scandals. People are cheating to get ahead in sports because um, you know you sort of like look to your understanding of sports is your understanding of the universe itself. Like, do you think, are you able to predict what's going to happen based on all the factors that are presented to you? And then when something is called incorrectly or something goes against what you know, to be true, it's like, so infuriating that like, like that's not to me, that does not enhance the experience. It just feel like a, a sense of, of being robbed or a sense of like injustice that doesn't help the sport. Like the sport is the thing that happens when, uh, the ball is hit or the chaos ensues and you don't know what's going to happen and the human beings make the, the play or whatever, like, is he going to catch it? He's not going to catch it. But the thing like you, that's why you want to have like the, 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 the tent poles, like the, the lines, the things that are like not movable, that are not arguable. And then everything else that happens should be the part that's the poetry. The part that is not the poetry are the parts that are the confines. Like that to me is what is so obnoxious. And, you know again, frankly, like when I watch baseball, it drives me insane. Like it just drives me insane. You're like, oh, they're like, Wow, that was a what a terrible call. And you just sit there and you're like, Yeah, that call sucked. And then you just sit there and you're mad. <laughs> and,
3: and everybody that, knows it. And, and everybody, everybody just kno- has to like eat this. Yeah. And it's just you're
2: like,
0: hmm. like, mm, this yeah, you're like it cool. cool. This goes both ways. It does go both ways, too. Like y- your team does benefit from it. And we don't think about that yeah, but, quite as much. The, but I'd the rather other I'd rather just it,
2: be like the end because then if you know sports then end up becoming fodder for argument and then if it's like you're having a conversation about something that is not about the players that you have chosen to represent you as a person and the players that the other people have chosen to represent them it's these like outside forces that are not part of the conflict like we're talking about them like that that sucks that that's like that's like what lawyers do that's like who wants that (laughs) And then there's the other part of this that nobody has
5: mentioned yet of gambling. Now the importance yes. of the calls does extend beyond the actual playing field because people are there, there's a there's a huge industry that's growing where people are putting a lot of money um, on on again across all sports. Obviously the 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 bionic umpires are the easiest one to kind of point to, but um, you know there, there's there's situations now all across sports where someone getting the call right or wrong literally determines if people win or lose, um, hefty sums of money. So it's just, uh, there's another side to it. That's really starting to grow as well.
2: It's true. And just quickly, like the, the sport that gets this the best and has absolutely solved it. And I wish that every sport would look at is tennis tennis. If you um, allow, if there's a call that's out, like uh, every player gets some number of challenges per, uh, match i'm not even sure how many but like a the ball is shot. called out the umpire calls it the head umpire uh, uh, holds it up and then the player can just call for a replay they quickly show it they, do, they show it in three-dimensional space patrick they're able to get all angles and show where the ball bounces yeah. the angle at which the ball stretched when it hit did it is hit it really three three part dimensions? of the line it, it's yes. a, it's a flat court well, uh, the ball is not flat. The court is uh, the court is flat. You're, you're right about that. The impact um, it makes on the ground is is. But the, not only that, like nobody has to go under a hood. It just shows on the jumbotron. It goes, and then everybody cheers. The, the
3: oh. crowd literally claps in anticipation yes. of the Hawkeye result. Yes, it's like so tennis so, and also and has
0: it, tennis also has 18 small children around on a court helping out two professionals. So instead, let's instead not give of them too much. Hockey, yeah, they're not. Those, <laughs>
3: those dudes are like <laughs> and dude the, the the line judges the line judges are just like umpires out in the field like you know telling you if a ball is fair or not totally it's and they the get same. it wrong it's, all the time it's, yeah it's the same thing they challenge those calls too well hey so uh,
5: i think uh, i think harrison and eric are, are heavily in favor of going to a lot more of the technology <laughs> aj me, made good arguments on on behalf of both and Patrick, I think you're kind of saying there's still just too many variables to go fully that direction yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm all fine. I'm fine with it. If, if again, the technology is there, it just, you got to keep in mind the naked eye is, is doing pretty good. Again, it's not, it's not perfect. We, we know that, but, but 94% is probably better than, than most people would think. And we only remember the calls that go against rather than the calls, maybe that, that aid and there's there's just so many more variables that I go mean, into to they, baseball than than other games because each pitch in and of itself is an event.
3: The the only reason that Jesse and I know anything about parallax is because it became <laughs> a thing in, in an ABS game that benefited the ABS. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Um,
5: well, hey, let's uh, <laughs> let's take this moment uh, as it did benefit the ABS and had the, had gambling been legalized, then it would have benefited a lot of people. Uh, with that, make sure you're heading on over to DraftKings. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed high-scoring NFL game. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah,
2: yeah, don't
4: yeah. bet on yeah. baseball games because it's left up to human error. <laughs> Avoid. <laughs> Not betting only on, do you uh, have to
3: guess right, but you have a you have an eight percent chance if the sports guy is working that game but he just gets that call wrong anyway. <laughs> uh,
5: with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL. Uh, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. Uh, new customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Download the Drafting Sportsbook app today. Use promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets if they score. If they score, you score with promo code DNVR. This week at Drafting Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL – must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Also wanted to remind you guys, uh, about our great partners over at Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile, you can, uh, and by uh, any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. Uh, as the first company to sell premium wireless services online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton of money with phone plans starting at just $15. Uh, look, guys, I've worked in the uh, mobile industry before, uh, and I can tell you, honestly, there is nobody that is doing what Mint is doing right now. Uh, they've got the attention of a lot of the big carriers uh, because of their customer service, the fact that you can do it all from home, uh, and just their, their unbelievable prices. Uh, again, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com DNVR. That's mintmobile.com DNVR. Cut your wireless bill to just... 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash DNVR. This is the DNVR Sports Podcast brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. We're doing some controversial topics here today, uh, talking about just just some of the, 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 the rules and the different things that we've got in place in sports. And uh, I think already we've got a little bit of a split here based on uh, robot umpires, chips and pucks and stuff like that. Here's another one for you guys. So, a few weeks ago, uh, I was watching uh, the 2021 Iron Bowl, Uh, Alabama and Auburn, which if any of you guys watched it or saw the replays or highlights, it went to triple overtime um, before Alabama ultimately won, shocker. Um, But what struck me as odd was the, I I guess I don't know how new they are, but the college football overtime rules. Basically, it starts with one quarter where each team gets the ball on the uh, other team's 25. You get one drive to uh, score a touchdown. Obviously, you have one first down available to you. Um, And then the other team gets the ball, gets a chance to score. If it still remains tied, then it goes to a second overtime where you have to score and go for a two-point conversion. If it's still tied after that, they just start placing the ball on the three yard line and you just trade two point conversion opportunities until you eventually have a winner. Personally, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was super exciting. Uh, I thought it was a ton of fun to once it got down into that, because I actually think it went to four overtimes. So they each traded two point conversion chances a couple times. And it got me thinking um, for regular season, obviously playoffs are a bit of a different animal, but in the NHL, uh, we see it where the first, uh, you know, when the game first goes to overtime, it goes down to three on three. Still no winner. It goes to a shootout. That is really the only professional sport that has anything similar to what we see in the college football um, overtime. So my question to you guys is would you like to see something like that implemented for regular season overtime and extra innings? In the NBA, you could take it down to three on three, then two on two, the NFL, you could kind of match what college football does. And honestly, for baseball, I thought you could do something like where you get fewer outs as we go deeper into these innings. So eventually you get it down to where each team gets one out. You're eventually going to get someone to jack a homer or you know hit a double and then uh, ground or something like that and, and, and win a game. So your guys' thoughts on just overtimes in general because the shootout is something that's pretty split amongst the NHL community. Some people like it. Some people hate seeing games end in a, what they refer to as a skills competition.
0: Yeah. With baseball, I, again, you want to encourage the scoring. And I think right now they just have a, a mild tweak. I wouldn't put it on the same level as the NHL. Like you're saying, Jesse, where they have the runner on second base in the 10th inning. So you've yeah. got a runner in scoring position and you don't even need to get a base hit and you can get a guy home a ground ball to, to second base fly ball to right field. You scored a run and now we're going to break the tie, but you know to kind of take that idea as you said with the NHL one step further you could say all right now you only have eight fielders you know from the 10th inning going on it's it's pretty radical and you know baseball doesn't really do radical things like that but that yeah. certainly would increase scoring if you now all of a sudden have two outfielders or you've got three outfielders but you know no uh, second baseman uh, on the right side of the infield. So you could kind of tweak that again. If the goal is, is just to increase scoring, to break a tie, there's, there's a couple different ways to, to go about that in, in baseball, some more extreme than others. Do you like, do you like how it currently is Patrick when the guy starts on second? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's uh again, it's a good way to to keep the game going forward. My, the first time when I heard that I thought, Oh no! What about the pitcher's earned run average? How are they gonna How are they gonna work this out statistically? I was more concerned about the numbers yeah. than anything else. And ultimately, they just said, "Well, it just counts as like an inherited runner. It's like you, you gave up an, an unearned double to second base, essentially. So it won't count against you. Yeah, you might earn a loss uh, mm-hmm. if if you happen to give up that run. But we also know the win and loss uh, statistic for for pitchers is, isn't really that important. So I think it's a good way to to keep the game going a little bit you know forward and um and again just just keep the bases moving a little bit more make it more of a carousel and yeah, it. I, I think it was, it was that was a really smart decision that that benefits everybody. It. We want to be romantic about these games that you know go five or six overtime and in football, that's fine because that means usually they're scoring done or there's a a dynamic defensive stop. But in baseball, if nobody's scoring any runs and it goes 17, 18 innings, that's a miserable experience to be staying up until <laughs> two, three a.m. in the morning to watch a 17 inning affair. It sounds cool talking about it, but the reality is that like, that sucks. So you know what put a runner in scoring position on second base. It's fair for both teams. Let's let's move forward with that.
3: I love the change. Uh, It actually got to the point where uh, when games were, when games were tied, I would turn on games that I wouldn't otherwise care at all about just because there was the possibility of something cool happening. And I, the NHL has the same effect. Uh, If I'm, if, if I'm not, if, if the abs aren't playing on a night, And the NHL has games that are getting ready to go to overtime. I'll fire those games up. I'll stop whatever I'm I'm doing and watch three on three. Uh, And then the shootout, just because it's an exciting finish to a game. It's a guarantee. You know somebody's going to win, and it's it's a fun finish. And baseball putting the runner on second base had that effect. I didn't like it at first, and then watched a couple of games with it and was like, yep, this is what it needed. Yeah. It just it feels better. It it does the oh it's not baseball and I, but look there are other considerations sometimes. I'm, I'm sorry that the the purity of your game has been tarnished a little bit, but sometimes you got to just get to getting. You got to get on with it. You these these 16 17 inning games they're not great for the guys either. You're you're oh, throwing yeah. position players out there, and you've got you've got guys who are doing things that that you. You're not paying money to watch a to watch a third baseman lob sixty mile an hour meatballs at guys. Like cause, just because you ran out of arms, because you you managed a game thinking surely this won't end in 18 innings. You know? Two because games, why yeah. would it? Like it's it I, I think it's been great for baseball. Uh the shootout, like I'm I I kind of wish it was 10 minutes of three on three overtime, but now that the coaches have kind of ruined it. I'm I'm a little glad that the shootout is still there as a guardrail for insanity.
0: Um. <laughs> what I don't I don't talk too much baseball, but do you, what do you guys think about the Pioneer League, which is uh, they're no longer under the the banner of Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball? It's pro baseball, but it's not you know not the good young prospects. <laughs> so this year they did for the first time they did a home run derby after the ninth inning, they just, you pick one guy to go out. <laughs> do you like that idea? Would that no. be cool?
5: <laughs> I, I don't know. I
0: don't know about after the ninth inning, but if they did that after
3: 12,
4: <laughs> you mean like 12, that sounds like 12, what I, I would minutes. do in like my beer league softball game for yeah, me, yeah, like yeah, yeah. A winner.
0: Would that, would that yeah. make you more interested? Would you, would you guys watch that?
5: If, if they, if they didn't do it immediately after the ninth, if they gave them a couple innings to try to settle it normally. Yeah. I, I I actually, I think that'd be kind of fun to watch. I think it's, after, it's, I think
3: after 12 innings, I think it's a pro 12 innings with the runner starting on second base. If you guys can't figure it out beyond that, just had just, just jack some homers. It's my, the same <laughs> thing as a shootout.
0: My favorite part would Gosh. be like, you know, Charlie Blackman hit, hitting that, that Homer there on, on the last swing and celebrating and lifting up his 64 year old pitching coach over his <laughs> shoulders. Like we did it together. Everyone. It's Ridiculous, but maybe maybe it injects some life.
5: Uh, yeah. Harrison, Eric, you guys thoughts on like you know again if the NFL did something like that or the NBA? Because I know the NBA can have some long overtime runs in the regular season, four on four.
3: It doesn't really
4: happen that often, to be honest. Like you'll have a couple, maybe like one game every season that goes into a double OT, like one Nuggets game every season. But other than that, you get a couple of two games here and there um nba overtime is perfect it's five minutes there's going to be a winner after that like 99 percent of the time yeah. it, it doesn't really need any tweaking the one thing i would say is i wouldn't mind if the each player was given an extra foul when the game went to mm-hmm. overtime
0: yeah yeah that's, that's a good idea uh, and, and there, here's what slow play down though a little bit because you'd be having more fouls and guys would be going to the line more I well, it's mean, more yeah, like but just, it, it just out.
4: sucks because you get you get six fouls for a 48-minute game, and then it, it sucks when, you know, you have your best players, like, not playing in, like, in overtime, like, yeah. potentially. You know, they, they could so pick you, up a quick foul there, and they're just done. It, it, it kind of sucks.
5: So you're saying, yeah, just kind of, almost kind of, like, reset the fouls, but on, like, a different set of rules so that... Just, give them 30. an extra one. So just, if
3: somebody's yeah, yeah. already fouled out, give them a seventh foul and let them let let the best players determine the games.
4: Yeah, if you if you're at five fouls heading into overtime and you get a six in overtime, you're you're still on the floor. I Like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I agree. I mean, there's the there's the uh, what is it, the Elam ending that they've kicked around a little bit? The idea that it's just yeah. you have a number that you have to get to. The first team that gets to that number is the winner. It's it's not determined by time.
4: Yeah, it's actually a really a really cool idea, and I'm probably in favor of it. What it actually does, it eliminates garbage time pretty much. So, you know, it, it also ensures every game ends on a game winner. So, like you you yeah. set you take the score when there's like five minutes left or something, and you add like 15 points to whoever's ahead, and mm-hmm. whoever gets to that number first wins. And so when you hit a basket to get to that number,
1: say you're at 60
4: and then you have to get to 75, you hit the basket to get to 75 and the game's over. So every game ends on a game winner and hmm. there's not like the art of stalling the clock and just winding the clock down. You're trying so to get is, to a number. Is this
5: street rules win by two?
2: No. Yeah, it is win by two. Oh, oh is it? You have to win by
4: two?
0: Um, oh, I said that as a joke. Can you tip in and they go back to zero? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it is actually. I don't
0: think so
2: either. I don't. I don't think that's how it works.
0: I are the Mavericks waiting in uh, another locker room, like saying they got next? Uh, what yeah. are these rules? Yeah. I'm liking definitely. all of this. This yeah, is good. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. yeah,
5: I. I actually. I actually really like that because that could just kind of be a fun. Yeah, it's a cool uh, like, idea. Yeah, that, that makes for some fun innings. So it sounds like everyone's kind of in agree- agreement. We don't need to prolong these regular season overtimes. Yeah. Now, now I will say, like, I am I'm not a big fan of, like, a couple of years ago uh, in the Olympics, the, the U.S. women's hockey team won a gold medal in a shootout. And while it was super fun and exciting, I just can't imagine losing a gold medal in a shootout, like, if you're on the other side of that. Um, it was I can't either because they didn't. Sucks to no, sign suck Canada.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, AJ, you, you might feel that one. Yeah, dude, careful with your uh, anti-Canadian yeah, yeah, yeah. comment. She, she did
3: not appreciate. <laughs> she did not I was, appreciate I was going
5: to say, where, I hope she's upstairs or something like that. I didn't realize she's out of show. <laughs> no. uh, so, yeah, so it sounds like we, we'd all be in favor of, of leagues doing something, maybe with the exception of the NBA because they just the pace of that that game as it is. Um, do something to kind of move all that that along.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool.
3: The uh, the only change that I would make with hockey is I would make in any one goal or tied game any any penalty in the last two yes. minutes. Yep. Uh, any any penalty in the last two minutes, the team has to kill all two minutes of the penalty.
5: I love that. You've talked about that for a long time now, and I think yeah. that's a great great call because you see teams do that all the time. They'll take an egregious yes, penalty. Just did it. To, to save a goal with just a few seconds left, knowing that you have to kill five seconds of a, of a power yeah. play that just say goal. you win a, a, a
3: face off and you clear the puck and it's good. Yeah. And the, the other minute and 55 seconds of that penalty are totally irrelevant. I think a team, and if, and if, if the team scores and they tie the game, then you just go into overtime like normal. If, uh, if they don't score, then the game just ends and you have the exciting finish of, A team is, you know, and if the team that's killing the penalty scores into the empty net, then the game ends. Like, so there's an extra element of like, do you pull the goaltender? Yeah. Do you have do you have the goalie pulled uh because at the end of games, you that's typical strategy, uh, is that you pull him. But if you give up the if you give up the goal in the game in the time that goes beyond the 60 minutes, uh and the team scores into the empty net, the game ends right there. Uh if they tie it. The game goes into overtime. Uh, And then, if obviously, if neither of those things happen and the score remains, then the game just ends. But it, it, the, the incentivizing of taking penalties in the last two minutes, because it's so hard. If you have, if you have a wide open scoring chance and a guy, and a guy just tomahawks his stick with four seconds to play. The, the risk reward here is totally out of whack. Yeah,
5: yeah. So
3: I've always thought, I've always thought that they should, they should change it so that it's not, it doesn't really affect overtime and shootout. I would just leave all that be, but uh, extend, extend the games. Uh, if so you have would that to. count
5: for overtime as well?
3: Yeah, you take it a penalty would. With- it, well, no, it, um, you take a penalty with four seconds left in overtime. Yeah. I think it, I would say, I would say, yeah, this because it's the same situation. Um, you know, you can't, you can't reward the guy taking the penalty. And in that situation you would. So I would say, yeah, you extend the game. Now, I, I think that just the NHL officials being as predictable as they are, they just would stop calling them. But <laughs> at that, I mean, at that point, like I, at least there's something in place. Um, you know, you can't, can't, can't stop the officials if they're not going to call the damn game as it's supposed to be. They already <laughs> don't. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. I think I think that would be a, a good change and I mean you're talking about ex- it, it doesn't get any more exciting of an ending uh, than, than that where you know you're you're trying to kill the penalty you think about the recent ads games as they've been trying to trying to finish off the last couple of one goal games if they get into that they they get into that extra time beyond 60 minutes like they they had uh, against the Panthers, then you know if they score to the empty net and the game just ends. It's euphoria. If they give up the goal, you have to go into overtime. So I've yeah. just just a, a small tweak that I've always thought would be good for the game. We
0: did we no, didn't I... necessarily mention NFL tweaks to their overtime. But when you talk about, when you talked about the NBA and the Elam ending, I thought you were talking about some kind of football rule of like <laughs> I mean, maybe we should call the Jason Elam, in, and Elam ending and a 63-yard field goal. It's almost like, can you name that tune where if you remember that game show, would be like, okay, I can name that tune in four notes, all right, three. So basically you go, all right, how far do you want your kicker to go out? All right, oh 64. God. All right, I'll do it. 65, you know what? Go out and kick it. And so it's just all on the line for one kicker. And the, you know, each team kind of goes back and forth with how far they think their kicker can go. It's like no, a game yeah. of horse. But no. That would be yeah, awesome, <laughs> 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 uh, it's better, be
4: Honestly, it's probably better than what we have right now because in the yeah. year 2021, an NFL game can end in a tie. I, I don't right. know how this is still a thing. And I, they I, I really be. just have no idea.
0: And they should need to smash each other's craniums together again for another 15 minutes to try <laughs> to find a winner. So you know what? Leave it up to the kickers. Have fun. Yeah, yeah perfect. Jason yeah. Eland ending. Jason Eilamending, I love that. I also love sexy pizza.
5: Uh, oh. We have sexy pizza at every Broncos tailgate uh, oh, we host this year, and it is delicious. Uh, seriously, I do love sexy pizza. Uh, when I lived downtown, that was one of my go-to's. Walk over to the uh, sexy pizza window, order a slice, order a full pie. Uh, it was easily one of my uh, one of my go-to's, one of my favorite places to stop. Uh, if you're looking to have Sexy Pizza support your organization or event, go to sexy pizza, uh, www.sexy.pizza and check out their uh, About page for the donations link and see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. Uh, not just downtown, stop by any of their four Denver locations, Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill with a new location coming in Trinidad very soon. Uh, again, this is the DNVR Sports Podcast brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, Jesse Montano with Eric, AJ, Patrick, and Harrison. I got one last one for you guys before we jump out of here for the day. Uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier, uh, and this is honestly the big one for me. Um, video review. We, uh, we've had a couple kind of infamous examples in Denver sports over the last decade or so. Uh, 2008, Matt Holiday, did he touch home plate? Uh, if video review would have been available to the MLB and its umpires, how would that game have ended differently? And then, obviously, game seven, Avalanche Sharks 2019. Um, Gabe Landeskog, a player who is leaving the playing surface, his replacement has already come onto the ice. As he's waiting to get in kind of a crowded door at the bench, he is technically ruled offside. Or what would have been a, a game seven tying goal uh, in kind of the waning minutes there. It ends up coming back and the abs go on to lose game seven. So there's a lot of conversation around video review. Should we even have it? Do we just leave it to the human eye and, and the calls that are made on the field? Uh, should we, if we're going to have it, do we expand it? If we say, okay, cool. We want to make sure we get every call, right? How do you extend that to penalties? Um, you know, s- s- spotting of the ball <laughs> offsides, goalie goal interference, things like that. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts, pro or against video review. Is it slowing the game down too much or is it making sure that we're getting the calls right?
2: Well, I'll answer. So um, for me, whenever there's not video review, everyone cries until it comes and until it's like (laughs) not having video review is so you you just feel like your hands are tied behind your back when something is so egregiously wrong and you're like, well, what are you going to do? But then every time that video review is implemented, it's so, it's done so in such a strange manner where some things are reviewable, other things are not reviewable. Um, And the way that they review the calls are always, are just so slow and terrible. And and, um, it's like, it's clear that there should be some sort of review. ability for every game because without it it just it, it it just you just just descend into madness when something is just so <laughs> awful but like I don't understand like why there just needs to be a czar of review that either is not in the stadium um, is you know like when they they go and they send it to um, New Jersey during uh, football games or whatever somebody who's not um, you know privy to the emotion that's inside the stadium that can make a quick call and doesn't have to like go go under the hood. Good, good. comes back. Is it, it? And you're like, dude, come on. Like, what are we doing? Here? This takes forever. Everybody at home has seen the call or, or seen the play now, ten times before. Uh, the old guy has even gotten under the hood, and then more often than not, they'll be so so cowardly about it that they'll just be like, well, whatever we call them the on the field it's too too close to call and you're like dude that's the whole goddamn point is that it's it's (laughs) always too close to call you just like step up make a goddamn call we can all see what's happening here if it's ever too close i hate that when it's when it's a super duper close call they always just default back to well you know we call what was called on the field is what we end up or uh, going with when we all know with. that that was the whole point is that you couldn't tell on the field so why are we reviewing it yeah. so they, they're just like they have better technology we don't need to have the same refs making the call under the hood um, at the same time like Baseball is like a little. They've gotten it a little bit better, um, where they, the, you know, the old guy just goes and just puts the headset on and is told um, what it, what it is. I love um, how we're assuming on
4: this show that every ref is just old.
2: They, blonde, are. And they, are. <laughs> they are. They are. There's like that's like a whole nother topic. Is like what it takes to become. Uh, the highest level of umpire or referee in any one of these sports like it ends up being these like older guys that have been around the block for so long that like,
0: i think that's only like...
4: true in baseball man that's just not true in the other sports yeah NBA? eric you stumbled
0: on two brilliant you stumbled on two brilliant ideas one we need young women instead oh, of these old men and also you just invented ref zone so you it. know we we can watch all the highlights <laughs> and keep up with I'm a million games it, in red zone. Well, the refs they're waiting for the phone call and it's already been two minutes into the play where they need just to just like and go, then go they start go, looking. Like, Ref zone, it, yeah. Watch. Just all put, the put an Air, like just
2: put an AirPod in. Like, yeah. hey, what would you guys see? Okay, cool. Like, uh, it's yeah. it's uh, and then you just that's how old guys Eli.
0: talk too. AirPods. True, as an
2: old guy, I can say. It.
5: <laughs> well and then there's the other element of it too where like I, I know for me in in the nhl it drives me nuts because they do some of these like offside reviews where one speaking of technology the nhl is a multi however many billions of dollars a year league and they have these cameras on the blue line that are like 10 megapixels the first cameras <laughs> ever yeah. made yeah, yeah. <laughs> like trying to like trying to break down if a play was on or not and they're I mean, it's literally like zoomed in 50 times and they're doing frame by frame. And it begs a question of like, are we upholding the letter of the rule or the spirit of the rule? Because that guy being offside by this much had no impact on on the play. The guy didn't even touch the puck. Should that really factor in? But then on the other side, yes, that is how the rule is written. And do you have to call it to that or, or do you call it based on... the the spirit of the rule.
3: I mean, I think, I think the NHL offside thing needs to be tweaked in that, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good with any of the regular offside stuff. Uh, But anything, anything that's uh, longer than about six seconds, anytime they're longer in the zone, longer than about five or six seconds, uh you're you can't tell me that this was meaningful uh at this point. Like you had time to defend it. Like if they score in transition within two or three seconds of entering the zone, uh obviously the zone entry played a huge role in that and should be if that's offside, then that's offside, even if it's by you know however much. But it for for the NHL, we've seen how many times uh that that it happens, it happens a couple times every week where Something you know, was a, a, call, a goal gets called back because of a of a puck that entered the zone, and uh, it was it was technically they go back and look at it, and it was offside. But they've been in the zone for nine seconds, you know. And you're just looking at it, and you're like, this had nothing to do with anything. They had nine seconds to to defend the play here. Like this is this is absurd that they get bailed out like that. Again, so I think I think the offside the offside thing it should be tweaked. Uh, you wrote in your piece the other day uh, that there needs to be a time limit on challenges. It needs to be it needs to be thirty seconds from the time that the goal is scored and they start looking at replays. Uh, it need, they've got thirty seconds. None of this. None of this. Gerard Gallant gets two minutes to decide to make the easiest challenge call ever, uh, and you know it, it just. There for hockey. I think, I think hockey's mostly fine. It's just a, uh, some tweaks there. Like, uh, if, you know, pick up, pick a, pick a length of time, obviously it's going to be arbitrary and it's going to suck for, you know, any, for a team that gives up a big goal where it's been five seconds and the rule is four, but that's, you got to draw it somewhere. And that's yeah. where I would say just have it at five or six seconds and then, uh, and then and then go from the you know and then uh, cap how many how how long these replays can go because the slowing down of the game, all right, well that shit's arbitrary. Uh just put a put a time limit on the thing. Like yeah. you know, okay, hey, you, you if you if you need four minutes of of extremely high definition looks, then it's not definitive either way. Uh so if you can't if you can't clearly look at it and see it within the first 30 to thirty to 60 seconds, if you look at it for more than – if you look at more than four angles and you don't have an answer, you're not going to have one, and then move on.
5: Well, then the other thing, yeah. too, obviously, is they if you're going to review it, you have to get the call right. How many times have we seen in the last
2: so two
5: years from the NHL where the NHL has had to put out statements after plays were reviewed <laughs> saying, hey, we got that review wrong, just- that sh- – that's that amazing. should have counted, or that shouldn't have counted, oh, and man. sorry about that. So it's like, if you're going to review it, at least at least get it right in the review. Uh, Patrick Harrison, how does this? How how are, how are you guys seeing this impact the MLB and the NBA?
4: Well, the NBA went all in on replay a couple years ago, and it was a disaster because in the fourth quarter of a game. After every judgment call, every player on the floor was spitting their finger asking for a review. And like, it was just ridiculous. Every fourth quarter took an hour because every single questionable play was getting reviewed. Now, the NBA deserves credit because they fixed it. They said only the official can instigate a review. And honestly, it's completely fixed the end of NBA games. They take like a quarter of the time that they used to. And yeah. Yeah. Some of those calls are gonna be missed, but it's just kind of what happens. it's the human error that referees have um, at the end of games. I will say though just across sports, having uh, instant like replay review at the end of games, it's integral and in like the first quarter and the first half, it's not as integral for me like if you're gonna have it, just have it at the end of the games and and get it right then. like that's when it really matters.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that to Harrison about the end of games because a postseason game and a a team's entire season ended on the final play of a game that wasn't even reviewable because it was more of a a subjective call by an umpire. San Francisco Giants had the best record in all of baseball with 107 wins. They go down to game five against the Los Angeles Dodgers check swing by wilmer flores (laughs) the the, the
4: check swing is so wild because like correct me if i'm wrong patrick do you even have a good angle on that when you're standing on the line like do you even have a perfect angle
0: the photograph that was released you look and you go he didn't swing but that wasn't a great angle at all it it seemed like it was in the photo and then you look at a, a better angle and you go actually no he did go and so you're actually putting out poor information which ties back around to our first conversation about the Subaru strike zone being kind of poor information (laughs) and just kind of you know being the focus of all this conversation so uh, baseball's done a better job they need to be a little bit quicker on some of the reviews with with the slowing down of play but Jesse you kind of said earlier like you know sports betting is, is is huge and so one of the things that seems like it could be changing in baseball is the time of game. Hey, let's have these games go get a little bit quicker, have a pitch clock. So, which is good. You want the game to flow a little bit better, but the longer the game's going on, the more people can, you know, gamble on the games. So, this problem that baseball has, you know, is a problem because they're losing viewers, but they may be making a lot more money on the back end with the with the gambling if the games do happen to go on a little bit longer. So, Nah. Uh it's gamblers. <laughs> that was Harrison Wind from DMBR. BNBR- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
5: cool guys. I know we've got a little bit long here. Anybody have any any kind of last thoughts on on review? You know, the NHL expanded it to be able to review five minute major penalties a couple of years ago. So it seems like review is is growing rather than shrinking. Any kind of last thoughts?
3: I think all of the sports have dumb little loopholes where you end up in some situations where you're watching a review, uh, and you're like, Hey, there's not a penalty on this at all. And there's no recourse for the officials to be like,
5: yeah.
3: our bad. And I think and I think that like the, the the big problem here is that you're sitting at home, you're watching in high definition, you're watching six different camera angles in real time, and you're able to process what's going on. You don't need an official on the ground to tell you that this is a, this is a foul or not a foul or a penalty anymore. You can clearly look at this and say, this is what's up. And then when you cut back to the game and they, they, they give, they give very limited or in hockey's case, no, no explanation whatsoever, make a decision that makes you go, LOL, what? And that's the end of it. Like, I think, I think that all the uh, – the, the, this is a thing uh, that I think all the sports need to be doing is that all of their officials, their head official, needs to be subject yeah. to post-game media scrum because you have everybody else in the building is accountable for anything that happens except those guys. They get to make – Tony Brothers gets to throw Nikola Jokic oh out of every God. game. And it doesn't matter. He doesn't ever have to answer for it. He doesn't ever have to explain himself. He doesn't, like the fact that he clearly has beef with this particular player, he never has to answer for it. He never has to step up to a microphone and explain his actions. When NHL the NHL is uh, uh, called a goal in, in an Avs Senators game where a shot was never even taken. And the uh, the official never has to come out and explain how that's supposed to be counted as a goal how the how how we're just supposed to assume that a puck can just slide across the line just in a, in this fantasy world that didn't exist and it it was just it, the the lack of accountability for officials all, across all sports is a thing like Joe Weston and, and angel Fernandez are h- horrific at their jobs and they they should not be you know they they should have postgame scrums yeah. those goes those guys, the fact that you can name officials that you know who they are at this point. It's never good. You don't ever know who a referee is because he's good at his job.
0: Yeah, you, Je- only, Jesse, you only know when they're bad. if Jesse went through the list of those those umpires that are at the ninety fifth and ninety fourth percentile, most of them, I don't know by their first name because they're they're anonymous. they're They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But, like you said, AJ, it's the ones that kind of inject their personality and, and they do the wrong things a lot that you do know. And they should be held accountable. They, they should be made available to the media. I, I'm yeah. all for that one, AJ. Yeah. That, yeah. You, you I, I mean,
3: Angel, Angel Hernandez has a YouTube compilation of his own. <laughs> you could Does he make, monetize you could, that. You could literally <laughs> make one of Tony Brothers throwing Nikola Jokic out at this point of games. You could make a YouTube compilation. You can just make one because it exists, <laughs> and he's never once had to answer for it. What is so, he going to say? It, what is Tony Brothers going to say? I, I, all I want is the fact that every head coach, every head coach, Nikola Jokic gets thrown out of the game. Guess what he has to go do? He has to go answer questions about it. Yeah. So what I want is that I, I, what is he going to say? I don't care, but I want him yeah. to have to answer questions on the record in front of everybody else. Put him in that spot where he has to be accountable for the decisions that he made that affect the outcome, whether we like it or not, the officiating crews of all sports are the third team that plays in every single game, they have an impact on every single outcome, but they don't ever have to say anything about it. They never have to answer questions about it. So I don't, I don't, I don't know that it would make any huge difference, but they get to hide behind anonymity at all times. They are, are, they're, they're fully protected by every single league and it's absurd Mm -hmm every one of us, every single, even in the media, we are, we are held accountable to everything that we do and we aren't playing in the game. We have no effect on the outcome. All we do, we literally are paid to talk about the games and we have more accountability than those guys do.
5: No, I, I, I agree with that. I, I, and because like, Harrison, here's here. I, I get what you're saying to of like, yeah, what are they really going to say? But you know, in some of those games where, where Jokic has gotten tossed, Hey, Hey, you tossed out Nikola Jokic again, what did you see tonight that you know said that that he should have that he was you know should have been tossed or should have been teed up or whatever it was? I, I've been an advocate for that for a while as well because I, I do I just think that you make them be accountable for their actions. You know th- th- there was a, a goal that the Avs had called back a couple of years ago that again the NHL had to issue an apology saying it shouldn't have been called back and it actually was against the Blues who they ended up having to beat in Game 82 of that year. Uh, to get into the playoffs. So if the abs would have lost that game 82, you literally could have gone all the way back in the season and pointed to the call. The the NH, the officials on the ice got wrong after review and said that literally cost them a playoff spot. Um, So I I agree, you know, Hey, right after the game, the rule reads this, but you guys called it that. Why did you do that? And just make them answer it. I agree. Um, John Libka was the uh, MLB umpire that had uh, the highest efficiency last year oh, in over old 30 Lipka. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know.
1: Just, yeah. John as Libby, one, every as one does, name. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> um, cool, guys. I think that's about all we've got for today. appreciate uh, the four of you guys jumping on, hanging out with me a, a little bit extra, a little bit longer than we normally go on this show. Uh, hope you guys all enjoyed it. Hope this was some fun conversation for you guys all to have. Want to remind you to head over to ddnvr.com, head over to the shop, put together a gift box for some of your uh, family and friends, uh, just in time for the holidays this year, ddnvr.com, uh, and, uh, and check all that out for Eric Harrison, Patrick and AJ. I am Jesse Montano. Thank you guys so much for listening to the DNVR sports podcast, and we'll talk to you guys next
4: time.